Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of season three of the Running Explained podcast. I am super excited to introduce this week's guest, immunologist Dr. Yasmin Moseni, and she is here today to talk to us about our immune systems and endurance exercise and how it all fits together. So we touched on a couple different things in this conversation, going through the basics of what our immune system is and does, talking about the myth, is it a myth, of if hard exercise is makes it more likely that you're going to get sick in that immediate window after something like a really hard workout or a race, what an immune response is versus when your body's actually fighting something off. We talk about if you should exercise when you're sick, and we do talk a bit about the difference between COVID-related recovery and regular illness recovery. Now, this is not an episode where we dwell on that specifically, but it is a topic that we do touch on. So I hope you find this useful. Please enjoy. Dr. Yasmin Moseni, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks so much for asking me to be on. So we are talking about running, endurance athletics, and the immune system today. You are an immunologist. Tell us a bit about your background and how you decided to um, become an immunologist. Yes. So I'm not sure if people can tell from my accent, but I am actually a born and bred Londoner. So my background is um, I went to university to do biochemistry initially and um, took a couple of immunology modules and found the whole topic really interesting. It seemed to be one of the only systems where each cell kind of needs to work together, kind of like an army, kind of like its own little city. And uh, they each had their own role and that just completely fascinated me. So I went on to do a master's in immunology at Imperial College London. And I just found I had even more questions and I just wasn't satisfied with the answers I was getting. So naturally that led me on to do a PhD. So I did my PhD at King's College London and my background was um, sort of specializing in autoimmune diseases and solid organ transplant rejection. So how can we use the immune system as a therapy to accept an organ transplant and how can we sort of twist that so that um, we wouldn't be able to have many autoimmune diseases in the sense, can we train the immune system to recognize, you know, stop attacking this piece of tissue, this organ, um, it's safe. So that was my PhD and um, I completed that, realized I had even more questions um, as it goes. So um, I moved to the US last year and um, January 2020, I moved to California um, and yeah, I've been here since, and I'm in biotech right now, so specializing in um, cancer immunotherapy. So kind of different, but still using your own immune system to try and basically hunt down tumors and destroy cancer in your body. And I absolutely love it. So it's a bit about me. <laughs> That's fascinating. And I, I feel like over the past couple of years with COVID, we all learned a little bit more about our immune systems than I think that most people knew beforehand. But also, there's a lot of stuff floating out there about kind of misinformation or misrepresentation of like what your immune system is and does. That has to frustrate you as somebody who is incredibly educated in this field. Yeah, so um, actually, it's quite funny, like my Instagram completely just revamped, my social media revamped from what it um, was initially. Um, it was just, you know, typical, like, girls night out and all that kind of stuff, PhD woes. And um, I didn't really think much of it. And then lockdown happened. And then my friends started to call me up to ask me some questions about what this whole virus is. Is it just like another flu? Is this whole lockdown thing an overreaction? And then when the vaccines started to, you know, talks about acceleration from phase one to phase two to phase three, um, for the vaccine development, my friends were like, I don't understand. How is that vaccine out so quickly? And initially, it just started off with me answering my friends' questions. But then when I began to see the amount of misinformation that was surfacing on social media, and especially TikTok, which was this brand new thing that was just exploding. And there were kids and 
adults going on these social media platforms pretending to know about a topic that they'd had absolutely no idea about and um, which is okay because immunology is an incredibly complex subject and but then I realized for me I am actually qualified to talk about it I have a PhD in the subject I do it for a living so why don't I then go out there and yes maybe put myself in front of the firing line a little bit that and actually address some of the concerns and misinformation that was out there especially around antibodies and natural immunity and these are sort of buzzwords and gene therapy and these are buzzwords that people kind of know a little bit about but unfortunately when you know a little bit and you try and paint the whole story with just that bit of information that becomes misinformation so yeah it's been a very testing few years for me and my fellow scientists out there I think (laughs) So I'm going to ask you probably the most frustrating question of our whole topic today, because I'm going to ask you to, if you could briefly educate us on the basics of what our immune system is and what it does. Yes. Um, so our immune system is ultimately there to protect us. We have like lots of barriers in place already to stop sort of insults like pathogens when I say pathogens like the bacteria and viruses and all the lurgies from coming in from our skin to like our airway linings for example but we still no matter what will have a breach this just happens so you need your defenders there to protect you from pathogens that come in so that's what your immune system is for and your immune system is broken up into two key branches the innate and the adaptive So the innate immune response is the first line of immune cells. They're kind of the initial soldiers that get released to just basically um, do a lot of damage limitation work to try and control the infection, whatever it is that has come in. Um, But in the meantime, the adaptive immune system, which is the more specialized troops, they need a bit more time to work. So they need about two weeks to start to develop a more targeted, more powerful um, immune response. And it's the adaptive immune response that also builds memory. So should you ever encounter that same pathogen again, you know, because it happens, the you know, common cold, for example, um, your adaptive immune response can immediately kick into high gear um, from the get-go. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what your immune system is. And there's loads of different cells and Um, To this day, we're still figuring out new cells of the immune system, and it's not as static as we thought. We thought one cell has this one job, that's it. But actually, no, they can like almost like adapt and mold depending on what circumstance they're in. They can like, you know, basically shape shift if if needed. So it's very, it's even blowing us immunologists' minds, but it's very fascinating. And yeah, if we didn't have an immune system, we wouldn't survive. So yeah, that's uh, immunology for you. Basic immunology. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> immunology 101. Um, so there are a lot of things we talk about. Obviously, the the theme of this show, because it's for runners and we talk about running and endurance exercise. And I think it's widely accepted and understood that exercise appears to be good for our immune system. Am I on the right track there? Yes, yes. So there's a wealth of epidemiological evidence that Exercise is good for the immune system, so it reduces many different types of diseases from the infectious diseases to sort of the non-communicable diseases like sort of cancer, chronic inflammatory disorders. There's a wealth of evidence in terms of like the long-term impact of regular exercise. I think the debates began on acute short bursts of intense exercise. That's when there was a lot of sort of debates between scientists as what could be going on. But um, yeah, in general, there's no real debate about the long-term effects of um, exercise on the immune system. Uh, something I hear from some from runners that I work with, and especially runners who have young children who are in school, who seem to be bringing home every illness under the sun, is that, oh, but I'm, I'm so healthy. I exercise regularly. Why am I still getting sick? <laughs> Stress. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, it's so easy. Um, I, the word holistic sometimes triggers me for many reasons. <laughs> but sometimes you have to look at these things holistically. You have to look at the whole picture. You can't just isolate. It's 
well, you know, I have a healthy diet. I'm getting, you know, I'm training every day in the gym. Why am I always getting sick? So, okay, but how's your headspace, hun? You know, do you have little toddlers running around? Like, you know, how's the stress levels? How's, how's stuff at work? How's your personal life? So you have to like look at everything together, the full picture. And that's why, yeah, there are always nuances. Nothing is black and white, especially when it comes to science. Something I wanted to ask about, this is something that seems to be one of those things that's just widely accepted in the running community that uh, directly after a hard effort or something like a race, like a half marathon or a marathon, this is what this is what is typically accepted. Oh, in that immediate period after this hard uh, amount of exercise, uh, you run a marathon, you run a half marathon, maybe you did a super hard workout at the track. Your immune system is temporarily compromised and you are more likely to get sick in that immediate period after the hard effort. Is that true? Oh, okay. Uh, let's go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> This is a very hot topic and a very controversial one. So the reason why scientists and, and medics were initially thinking that this is actually very plausible, that after an intense strenuous workout, you can get sick, is, um, which led to this open window, open window hypothesis, is because they found that if you're going to compare your white blood cells, so your, your white blood cells are your immune cells, your immune cells circulating in the blood before compared to after there's a massive decrease so there's a huge decrease of these immune cells in your blood straight after exercise and that led to that open window hypothesis if you don't have these immune cells circulating in your system they're not going to catch anything that comes in but that's in the process of being debunked because if they're not in the blood they're going somewhere simple as that they're not just like magically disappearing and going to like another parallel universe or something they're going into your tissues so if anything they are doing more we call it immunosurveillance so they're actively patrolling in your tissues which is where they need to be <laughs> um, to find these invaders so that's uh, hopefully we can very uh, sort of simply debunk that open window hypothesis theory now when it comes to marathons and ultra marathons, this is another one. So I'm sure like, you know, by the sounds of things, you and other runners have done your research because this has been a hot topic since the 80s. Um, there has been a number of studies looking at ultra marathon runners and marathon runners um, reporting that they sort of would come down with an illness within a week or so of their race. So this sort of led to the assumption that a strenuous single bout of hardcore exercise like a marathon or an ultra marathon impairs the immune system. So then that triggers that sort of rabbit hole to go down of, well, does this mean that athletes are more likely to get sick after taxing sporting events like a marathon or an ultra marathon? In short, again, it's not as simple as intense exercise or a marathon or ultra marathon impairs our immune system. There are a bunch of limitations and nuances, even in these studies done. So these studies looking at, I think it was an ultra marathon in the 80s in Cape Town and um, looking at the marathon in LA. Uh, I think it was 1987, I think marathon in LA, one of, one of, those, one of those years in LA. Um, firstly, um, the number of athletes that were reporting they had developed an upper res respiratory tract infection, um, not many of those were confirmed by lab analyses. And those cases, were in those studies where they did do sort of molecular diagnostics and like lab analyses, they found that only in a fraction of the cases, yes, there was some sort of bacterial or viral insult or the typical infectious disease agent present. So what's going on there for those that are reporting, oh, but I do feel poorly, and then they're coming out with negative. It's just most likely that there is some sort of inflammation anyway, like in the mucosal airways, like you are doing some, like introducing hardcore trauma with your ventilation, with how you're breathing, cold air exposure, triggers of allergies, trigger of asthma. These, there's all these variables you need to consider. Um, and I don't ever want to be that person to say it's not actually an illness. You know, it's probably something else. But sometimes this is the situation that's occurring. Um, sort of the other potential rabbit hole we could go down is, but I, I don't know where athletes stand on this, is the J-shaped curve hypothesis. So um, 
which is basically athletes ahead of a big event will overtrain like crazy just to get in their volume in and you know they go a bit excess so that's why when they hit this overtraining mark after their particular event they crash their immune system crashes um again i say i'm not too sure where athletes stand with this hypothesis i think that this has been debunked quite a lot um but one thing you need to consider is before something like a marathon or an ultra marathon much like what i said earlier is there a stress there is anxiety you're probably going to be freaking out before an event like this you're probably as much as you're trying to get in your 10 hours sleep you're probably not sleeping well because you're really really bricking it before this event and with that may come nutritional defects as well are you fueling properly are you too, too anxious to eat or digest properly and so it's all of these things you really need to consider um and i mean the last thing is as i could be talking for hours about this is um I mean, ultramarathons and marathons are well of a time because these are mass participation events, large crowds. We've just lived through a pandemic. We know the implications of large crowds and what can that can mean for spread of viral infections or bacterial infections. So in short, you, we cannot say there is a confirmation link between something like a strenuous workout and having an impaired immune system i think there's other, there's just other things that you need to really consider and you have to look at the big picture so hopefully it answers your question <laughs> yeah and I, so this is this is so fascinating there's a couple of things i wanted to ask you more about um is that yes kind of what you were saying in that second point about basically being in the state of of depleting yourself to the point where you technically have compromised your immune system. And one of the things that my job is as a coach and what we try to do with the athletes that we train is to make sure that we are always in this place of being challenged yet able to recover effectively. So, you know, one of the things I talk about, and I've had many, um, many professionals on this show, many credentialed, you know, academics and practitioners from a variety of disciplines, but basically talking about you know, if you are under-resourced, if you are, you know, not fueling your body correctly, if you're not sleeping enough, if you are overloaded with stress in other areas of your life, that essentially that all adds up to, to take you down, to kind of like make you more susceptible in general to other things. And then of course, as we walk around in our daily lives, and like you said, participating in some of these huge races, you're shoulder to shoulder with 20,000 strangers. Of course, somebody has something and they're breathing on you, Right. Um, one of the things that I, uh, I saw a lot of actually was last year, there's a race down in Disney world every January called the dopey challenge. And it's a four day event where you on, you can run one of these races or all four, but you, there's a 5k and then the next day there's a 10k and the next day there's a half marathon. The next day there's a full marathon. And if you run all four of these races, it's called the dopey challenge. And so it's very popular for a lot of people to do this, but these are huge races, Right. Thousands and thousands of people crammed together in a tight space. And I had runners participate last year and we had a bunch of people, not just a bunch of like my people, but a lot of people got COVID after participating in that race. And it's because they were shoulder to shoulder with tens of thousands of people. Right. And I think yeah. just it's, it's easy to do that. Like correlation is not causation. Right. Did exactly were, did the, did the race compromise your immune system or was it the fact that you exposed yourself to 30,000 strangers, like more likely to have been causative? So I think it's, uh, it's complicated when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Exactly. That's so spot on. That's very interesting as well. It's just any, at any sort of mass event, you know, you're more likely to get, especially COVID, you're more likely to get these opportunistic infections. I find like with COVID, COVID is opportunistic. So it will swoop in when you're down as well. So when your immune system is slightly down, um, and again, it could be because, yeah, maybe you, well, I mean, okay, as you say, as your coach, you encourage your athletes not to overtrain, but sometimes I, I feel like, you know. <laughs> A lot of um, people do though. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm getting like right now with my coach and stuff, I'm getting like CrossFit training and sometimes I'm like, I need to catch up on my day. So I'm going to like stack them up and sometimes I'm not eating properly and I should, you know. It's one of those things where like you try and remain accountable, but not to say anything about your athletes at all. But um, it's just all these other parameters that could kick in as well as the stress and anxiety of something like these apparently four races, <laughs> which sounds like so intense for someone like me. Now, it'd be ridiculous to say that a pair of sunglasses can boost your immune system, right? 
Well, that's probably true, but I do know that when I wear my Gooder sunglasses, I definitely feel less stressed because I know that I can rely on them to be the same amazing, polarized, comfortable, inexpensive, no slip, no bounce, always there for me sunglasses, whether I am running a marathon, running an easy run, or wandering about running my daily errands. And with new colors and styles being released all the time, there's definitely a pair of sunglasses that's gonna make you feel a lot less stressed. Whether you're a fan of the incredibly affordable price tag, starting at only $25, a fan of the polarized lenses, a fan of the bazillion or so color and style combinations, Gooders have you covered. And now you can get free shipping off your next order on gooder.com using code RUNEXP. That's code R-U-N, EXP on your next order on gooder.com. That's G O O D R.com. Look good, run gooder. Something else I wanted to ask you about I've experienced this personally, and if you've never run a marathon, you might be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But assuming your background, you've probably heard of this. Uh, sometimes you run one of these multi hour races, a half marathon, a marathon, an ultra marathon, and afterwards it feels like you're getting sick. You're, you know, you have trouble sleeping, you're achy, like you kind of have some, some inflammation in your sinuses, but you don't actually get sick. Is that your body responding to this incredibly strenuous effort? Like you were describing from just like, it's an immune response to the, to the effort. Oh, that's an interesting question. In some ways, yes, it could be. So like, as I mentioned, you have the, you can have these like mucosal inflammation that incurs. So those will be like your airways because of the, the, there's trauma in a way that happens in these sorts of events. And no matter how like skilled of an athlete that you are, skilled of a runner that you are. So um, it's just resetting. It's bringing things back to baseline. Um, so which is a sort of a very typical concept, not just in science, that you, you can imagine this happening. Everything's a little bit heightened. And with that is there's a lot of, there's a stress response that occurs as well. And what scientists have been unveiling is the powerful link between stress hormones and the immune system. They work hand in hand. So um, stress hormones that do get released, especially like cortisol, for example, are an immunosuppressant. So they'll take down the immune response, which actually could in the, that this is why it's, it's a bit nuanced because that in theory could make you more sick um, or might more likely to be sick if you're in an immunosuppressed state and then in comes in a potential allergy. But again, instead of it being an opportunistic infection in those cases, it's probably just your body needing to reset from the, I don't like to say the word trauma, but just the intensity of what it's just experienced. And so you have to take in, yeah, the immune response, the neuroendocrine response as well. Um, the nervous response, your CNS is absolutely fried. So you have to like kind of take all these and all of them work together. So um, <laughs> you have to kind of like take them all in, but I'm not necessarily an expert in that area, but I'm not surprised that that might happen, but your body just quickly bounces back to a sort of more back to its baseline. I can also understand that somebody who's experiencing this phenomenon would then say, oh, but I ran this race and then I got sick when they weren't actually sick. They just did something that was, I don't, we'll say it. I run marathons. They can feel traumatic sometimes, right? They're incredibly demanding on your body, no matter how well prepared you are. And, and you feel it. I remember the, one of the first marathons I ever ran the next day, like my diaphragm was sore. Like, because I had been breathing hard yeah. for four hours and I was like, what, you know, you're doing things to your body that your body's like, whoa, what's happening here? And it maybe sends out, I'm going to probably offend you by saying it sends out its little soldiers to see what <laughs> happened, <laughs> clean up any of the debris that got left behind. And, uh, and that can feel like, like as you described, it can feel like this immune response, these in inflammations and, uh, yeah, are, I think it's fascinating. No, it is. It really, really is. It's not that straightforward, though. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> and I recognize this. I said to you before we started recording this episode, I'm like, look, usually when I have guests on the show, I, I know a little bit about what we're talking about, and sometimes a lot of it. And this area of immunology and the immune system, like I know a, a tiny bit. And so I am here to learn uh, for me personally, as much as for the listeners here. Um, no, that's great. Yeah. It's also worth saying that as it, for immunologists, we become more and more, they say the more like specialized you get, like from a BSc to a master's to a 
PhD, you become more and more fine tuned. So you become an expert in 0.1% of a topic. So um, exercise immunology is actually not my area of expertise, but luckily you, you're able to pull in what you know about general immunology and from your training. Um, so yeah, even immunologists don't fully understand everything to do with immunology. <laughs> I want to ask you briefly about um, what we know about COVID and how our body responds to COVID specifically compared to uh, regular flu or something like the common cold. And I understand that you are not a medical doctor and I understand that this is not, we're not here to talk about COVID, but I have noticed in the athletes that I've worked with how, how truly different and unique their recovery from COVID, even mild infections after being vaccinated, how different that re recovery timeline is and how long it can take them to feel back to normal again compared to something like the normal flu or a normal head cold. Is there anything that you know and can explain to us about what, why that is? I mean, COVID, this is the thing, like, I'm going to say COVID, but just my little disclaimer, because someone on TikTok chose to pull me up on this for saying COVID, the virus, as opposed to SARS-CoV-2. But instead of me saying SARS-CoV-2, I'm going to say COVID so you know, you and all your listeners know <laughs> what I'm talking about as well. Um, so yeah, COVID is not a chill virus. I think we've all kind of understood that and began to understand that. I don't think any real immunologists, virologists, or epidemiologists saw this coming when we first heard of this wave in Wuhan. I didn't. Um, and a lot of us did kind of laugh. I know not everyone, but a good deal of us did initially laugh this off as it's just going to kind of be like the flu. Um, the issue we had, obviously, is with something like this virus is its capacity to mutate. Um, it's an unstable virus, but as viruses go, it should be more stable than the flu. But because it's been in such circulation, it's become more and more, it's mutated a lot more. And it has learned certain tips and tricks to escape the immune response, unfortunately, um, at a lot quicker rate than other viruses. So that is one thing to consider. And also just in terms of the receptors that um, the virus uses to bind to, these receptors specifically are expressed in loads of different organs that we have. And that also causes another problem because it just needs to latch. It's like a lock and key. It can latch in and go inside. So this is why it's not been that straightforward. And this is why also we need to, to really understand. We need more data. And with more people getting ill, we have more data to actually assess how long is an appropriate timeline for recovery. Um, and all the potential post-viral complications. I mean, post-viral complications or sequelae is very common, even after the flu. Um, it's just not everyone comes down with the flu in one go. I mean, not many people, you know, not everyone gets the flu in their lifetime, you know. So I think there's a situation where not many people typically get viruses. Viruses are savage on the body. There are long-term complications. I mean, when I say long-term, can be about 12 weeks in some situations here. Like with long COVID, we are seeing longer. And we're just understanding a bit more of how your body needs the time to recover from such a virus. So I wish I had a better answer. For me personally, um, after I had Delta, I had, I had about 16 weeks before I could properly get back into the type of training that I was doing before. But when I had Omicron in the summer, um, I needed less time. By this point, I had hybrid immunity. And um, yeah, I mean, I was also very much taking care of my recovery, I think. When the athletes that I've worked with at this point, uh, most of the athletes that I work with individually, privately, one-on-one, -on -one, have had COVID at least once, right? Sometimes twice. And, you know, unlike other illnesses where we kind of be like, let's take a couple of days off and see how you feel. You know, my, my immediate first response is like, oh, you have COVID? We're off for at least a week. I want you to do nothing for a week. And then we are literally going to take it day by day. Uh, yeah. And and I've had some athletes on to be like, doesn't, isn't that overkill? I'm like, actually, no, it's not. And we could be in this for the long haul. This could take a couple months to fully resolve. Now, I've also some, seen people quote unquote, bounce back in a couple weeks, but that's not normal. And so 
COVID doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon, unfortunately. And so for those athletes who are listening, who have had this experience, might be in this experience, or maybe unfortunately this is an experience you may have in the future, um, taking your, taking this post COVID recovery seriously, like, please do not rush back to training. Please do not rush back. It is way more important to focus on fully recovering than like starting to run too soon. Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that. Um, I want to talk about ways that we can help ourselves boost our immune system uh, in ways that actually are effective and not just ways that people are going to sell us things that they claim will boost our immune system. (laughs) Um, As an immunologist, what is your biggest pet peeve about what people claim will boost your immune system or improve your immune system functioning? You're not going to like the first thing I'm going to say. Um, my number one pet peeve, as I think a lot of immunologists, their pet peeve as well, is the term boosting your immune system. <laughs> That's why I said the second phrase. <laughs> um, but like, we know, oh, no, I mean, jokes aside, we've been caught, I've, I, I've said it, it's on my page because we just know that that's just the simplest way to communicate this information to people, you know. Um, there's no real thing as boosting the immune system because, I mean, if you were, okay, so I guess boosting your immune system, which is why I prefer to say immune support or immune balancing, and they're not as like sort of hot words to use, I suppose. But when you want to improve your immunity or support your immunity, you want it to be able to have like, you know, decreased chronic inflammation. So you don't want chronic inflammation in the body for obvious reasons. You don't want, you know, with that is the risk of autoimmune diseases. There's the risk of um, cancer as well developing. But you also want it to have the capacity to be able to blitz any potential infection that arrives very, very quickly. So, um, and one of the ways is exercise. Exercise has been able to achieve this and accomplish this. And mechanistically, not a lot of scientists know completely why, other than we can just see phenotypically, like, you know, when we're characterizing the immune cells, we see that those that like exercise regularly especially in the elderly where it's more prominent um they've got increased killer cells circulating so that's like the natural killer cells and the cytotoxic t cells and these guys are very important not only for fighting off infections quickly but also cancer they're like the main cancer killing cells so there's increased numbers there and also the quality of these cells so they're younger so the term we use is naive they've got younger more naive cells compared to the more memory and older sort of senescent cells and there's there's many theories and sort of like um ideas as to why that could be why are these you know younger cells with longer telomeres favorable um when you exercise but um there's one of the theories that is actually the memory older cells actually are the first ones to get killed off um, as a response of exercise, which is very interesting. But enough about that rabbit hole. Essentially, yes, exercise is one of the best ways that you can support your immune system. Um, the um, That's not my big one. My number one is um, stress management. And that sounds bonkers because we live on planet Earth where every day something is happening by the looks of things, especially the last three years. Um, But if you can find a way to really manage stress levels and actually listen to your body, I would say. So I my biggest pet peeve is seeing these. I was, I was going to say expletive word on here, but I wouldn't. But just these um idiots that will post on social media saying i only got three hours of sleep last night but in the gym got it done no why are you doing that (laughs) you know there's certain famous influencers and famous athletes and ex navy seals that kind of push that narrative and that really really vexes me because you're not doing yourself any favors so stress management sleep like recover prioritize recovery and sleep as much as you can like that's the best thing you can do for your immune system um and the sort of um you know basic sort of a colorful diet you know have a good good nutrition improve on your diet as colorful as possible to get all the nutrients in and vitamin d 
vitamin D is like one of the main vitamins, if anything, are the only one I would actually really encourage um, that you supplement yourself with if you're in a place where you don't get a lot of sunlight. I mean, honestly, California, we're okay in terms of vitamin D content. Maybe not right now, but um, I'm not sure. Like for those East Coasters, maybe where you're not necessarily gonna be getting that much sun, definitely for my Londoners out there, um, definitely be getting um, your vitamin D supplements in. But I, it's frustrating because yes, there is a pet peeve of mine as well, seeing these influencers claim that oh, you know, if you buy this bottle, like use my code, discount code, it's a immune boosting supplement and it's got all these extra things in there. But you really don't need it, hon. It's just a waste of your money. Just get your sleep in, manage your stress, exercise, eat well and get your vitamin D. Yeah, I mean, amen to all of that. And that's hopefully for anybody who's listened to the show before, nothing that she said should be new information to you, but it is simply another highly qualified professional telling you all the things that really matter to you, which is getting enough sleep, eating enough food, drinking enough water, correct your nutritional deficiencies and balance your training load. <laughs> like that is the secret to a long and healthy life for most of us. <laughs> exactly. And I know it's, it's frustrating because people do want a quick fix, but I'm sure as a coach and you've, I think actually it might hit weight loss coaches a lot more where, you know, they're used to clients wanting like a quick you know, a skinny pill, like a quick fix. And it's no, it's, it's all the same disciplines and the same with your immune system. So I wanted to ask you about vitamin C. This seems to be somehow the most well-marketed, uh, thing that, oh, I'm getting sick. I'm going to take my, you know, emergency dissolvable in my water. Does that do anything? Yeah, no, it does. Look, I'm not going to, vitamin C is of course important as well. And it's, you know, there is evidence to show the impact of vitamin C, much like vitamin B as well, like vitamin B12. I do know people like, oh, I go get my vitamin shots as in like, like literally like a vaccine shot. Um, I think in some countries they do. I'm like, okay. Um, I'm never going to bash, you know, these, the, you know, these vitamins, they are all important as well. And um, they are critical, but in terms of for me and my, what I know from my expertise and the wealth of data on like the actual mechanistic functions of vitamin D and how it really does promote certain immune cells in your body, like the anti-inflammatory ones, like regulatory T cells that actively stop inflammation in the body. That's why I encourage vitamin D a lot more. But again, like vitamin, but also because vitamin D, you know, it's, it's hard to get it. Um, whereas with vitamin C and vitamin B, for example, vitamin B12, like you can get this from just your diet. So, you know, it's, that's kind of why I'm encouraging more like vitamin D supplementation over anything else. I've always, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Like I'll, you know, pop an emergency or, you know, take a, say, taste something like that if I feel like a cold's coming on. But again, we're talking about correlation versus causation. It's that maybe just drinking a glass of water is helpful right maybe it is the vitamin c but maybe it's just the hydration maybe it's both right uh those things that i think that we we tend to place importance on is it what's in the water or is it just the water that's really helpful yeah i did have a lot especially during the pandemic i was getting so much so like just so vexed by some of the comments but a lot of people would say oh i had covid and that uh, took some vitamin c and or took ivermectin, but this is not this kind of conversation. Um, this is not this podcast. And I felt better in a few days time. So it works like, no, 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 just you, you didn't die. Your immune system not, just did what it does. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily need to credit these things. It's your immune system is just doing what it's supposed to do. It's clearing it off. Well, what's the alternative? You're going to, you know, some people unfortunately haven't made it during this pandemic, but when a lot of people claim, oh, I took this and I got better. No you know, your immune system just did what it's meant to do and what it's trained to do. So exactly. Correlation, causation. That's been a big one as well, this pandemic. <laughs> I want to ask you about inflammation because you've mentioned this a couple of times and uh, in the, in the athletic world, talk about inflammation in the context of acute inflammation. Now, hopefully it's rare, but sometimes you'll do something and something gets a little angry, gets a little inflamed, or you run a marathon and your legs are a little angry, they're a little inflamed, and then the inflammation goes away. But you referenced 
chronic inflammation. And that's entirely different from acute inflammation. Um, can you talk to us about that a little bit and, and why chronic inflammation is a problem? Yeah, so chronic inflammation can lead to a wealth of diseases, and um, which is why a lot of influencers like to toot, you know, oh, like, get rid of inflammation in your body. It's like, well, you know, like, let's be sensible when we, how, we, how we phrase that. So when we talk about chronic inflammation, it's like this permanent state in your body that there are these pro-inflammatory cells that release these pro-inflammatory proteins, or that we call them pro-inflammatory cytokines. Um, that are constantly surveying in the body or like accumulating within the tissue. So a perfect example is an adipose tissue um, between lean athletes versus like obese patients, for example. And within their tissue, the content of inflammation, so there's more inflammation there, meaning there's more pro-inflammatory immune cells that are releasing these pro-inflammatory cytokines, such as IL-6 is a big one that's been... um, like tooted around a lot and that goes and like activates a whole bunch of other immune cells also like reactive oxygen species as well the ROS so it's um whereas we want to remain in this antioxidant state as well which is what exercise can help promote and we've got chronic inflammation that doesn't happen and so while inflammation yes is important to for to take down some of you know like infections that come in um, when we're talking about like wound healing and repair, we don't necessarily want this and you don't want this as well. Yeah. So, cause with chronic inflammation, it can lead to, um, like autoimmune diseases later on down the line and cancer is the biggest one. It, it, there is like links to cancer development as well as favorable conditions. It's a hostile environment, creates these favorable inflammatory conditions for tumors to develop and grow. So that's when we talk about chronic inflammation. So it's both within the system, but it's also within your tissues. It's just, yeah, the cells and the proteins that are more of a pro-inflammatory state as opposed to a more regulatory anti-inflammatory state. More recently, the past couple of years, and yeah, I agree with you, we kind of, I feel like inflammation has turned into this, a bit of a a buzzword from fear-mongering to the point where I've had athletes sprain an ankle and like be terrified that they're experiencing inflammation at the ankle sprain area. And they're like, do everything they can to reduce inflammation. And I have to gently explain to them, although I'm not a sports medicine professional, just be like, look, in this specific case, that inflammation is serving a very specific role. It is part of how your body heals. That is entirely different from what you are explaining about chronic long-term low, I don't even, it's low grade. I don't don't even know what that means. I'm just said it because it sounded good in my brain. This kind of chronic state of inflammation that exists in our body, right? So for those of us who are like, oh, inflammation bad, not all inflammation, but what you're describing is this very specific state of, of inflammation unrelated to specifically like your body specifically, like trying to fix something. Am I understanding this correctly? Exactly. Yeah. You're always going to get some sort of like acute inflammation, like, um, after some sort of like traumatic event occurring, it's, it's very normal. Let your immune system do what it needs to do. But yeah, chronic inflammation is this con is this constant state, um, which we, which we're trying to avoid. You want inflammation when there needs to be, it's about when it's appropriate for inflammation to occur, like clearing pathogens, for example, not at resting state. I wanted to ask you, um, a couple about a couple things that are hopefully actionable in our listeners' lives. Um, One of the questions I get a lot, like I said, you know, runners, young kids at home, getting sick all the time, is guidance on whether it's okay to work out when you are, you feel like you're getting sick or you're sick. And again, understand that you are not a medical doctor, but considering what you know about how our body responds to dealing with pathogens and the uh, and, and the demands that a workout session can have on our bodies, what would be your general advice for people in that situation? I feel like I'm getting a cold. Should I go on a run? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So obviously I'm not, um, I'm not a medic, so I'm a scientist, but also like, even if I was a medic, I wouldn't be able to give that medical advice, but no, you shouldn't just listen, listen to the body. And I know it becomes this weird 
you know, for me as someone that I train every day as well, slightly different to running, but I still train every day. And I know that sense of guilt that you feel if you miss a workout and you just, oh, this, this horrible man up culture right now, like, you know, oh, well, two hours of sleep. I got one hour of sleep and I still made my training plan. Good for you. Sleep rest <laughs> if you are feeling like a cold coming on because it, it will catch up to you it just will and yeah you know one can say oh but didn't you say that um it drives immunosurveillance like you know after an intense bout of exercise actually drives your immune cells straight into your tissues yeah but at the same time like if there's nothing there and then in comes a pathogen and you're in this immunosuppressed state as it is anyway because of the cortisol released just just you know just don't do that to yourself rest. <laughs> I have to continually tell my athletes, I'm like, you can't get better. You can't become fitter if your body is, tr if you're, if you're running and your body's also like, let's say that on one hand, I get to like improve my fitness. On the other hand, I have a sword and I'm trying to fight off a beast. Like you can only do one at a time, right? I either have to fight off the beast or I can work on getting fitter. I can't do both at the same time. And when you are, when your body's fighting off the beast, like that's the only thing it can really focus on. Exactly, exactly. And I know, but I, you know, we get it, though. It's that horrible guilt, because it's this toxic positivity mindset that we're living in right now, which is, you know, you know, you can do it, take control of your mind, your body, your mind doesn't control you, etc. It's like, no, just, just take the extra day or two. It's fine. It's not going to make a difference. Listen to your body, it will catch up. And I think you see the guilt and seeing other people like, well, that person did it when they were sick, that person, you know, no excuses. I worked out when my temperature was 103. I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> that was I a mean, bad idea. <laughs> I just feel like you're dishonoring your immune cells. Like I always, I like to, I'm such a nerd. I like to picture your immune system and all everything in your body is like its own city, its own world. So I feel like once that happens, I feel like that's literally an earthquake or something. And your, your immune cells, your body is like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> like you're making things unnecessary for us. You're making us work harder than we need to. It's like, just be your own body's best friend. Be your own, your cells. Their only job is to keep you alive. Like honor them, treat them well, because they're treating you well. <laughs> so you heard it from a qualified expert it is more important to recover from an illness than it is to try and never miss a day on your training plan. Exactly. <laughs> is there anything in, I know one of the things that you do is you really keep a, um, an eye on recent research and breakthroughs and a lot of the stuff that's kind of the cutting edge in, um, in the scientific community. Has there anything, has, is there anything that's happening right now or any research is being done on something that you think is just really cool when it comes to our immune systems? Um, so for me, unfortunately, it's nothing that we can necessarily implement um, by ourselves, but I'm in the cell and gene therapy space. So I give a lot of sort of attention and focus to cell and gene therapy. And that's like the focus right now of a lot of publications coming out. So how can we use, for example, your own immune system and create a therapy out of it? So, especially in cancer. And there isn't, there's our first sort of in-man clinical trial for autoimmune diseases as well. But cancer is really, really, it's taking off, especially in blood cancers. Like, like these immunotherapies are really causing blood cancers to respond right now in a good way. So... I'm getting very excited and I'm biased because I'm in the field, but new methods of how we basically remove a patient's immune cells, like their killer fighter type immune cells, and we engineer them in the lab to hunt down their specific tumor, grow them to like the millions and millions and reinfuse those into the patient. And now you have their own killer immune cells, but slightly genetically engineered. They're tweaked in a bit of a way to have like a GPS to go and hunt down those tumors that they have in their body. It's so insane, it's so fascinating, it's working. The big one right now we're trying to tackle is solid tumors because solid tumors like breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, they're a bit harder because they build like a fortress around them. They build like a bit of like, I think of like an evil Disney villain and they're like kingdom on like a random cliff top with like sharks and drones that will shoot down anyone that comes in like that kind of thing. Like I'm not trying to 
personify it to make it sound like cute and Disney. But you know, this is kind of the level that the level intricate level that the fort is built by cancer cells. So yeah, you can have these immune cells that are now power more powerful. They're targeted to all go towards the fort. But if they can't break down the fort, that's a bit of a problem. So now there's new ways and new strategies that scientists are looking at to be able to actually destroy the fort. And once they get inside the fort, there's another layer where it's like very toxic environment. So the soldiers that break through, then they are faced with this toxic environment before they can actually get to the tumors. So how do we deal with that? So that's the direction right now. And there's so many studies coming out constantly. And it's great, but also like for me being in biotech, like you don't want your rivals to beat you, but at the same time you have to remember, oh no way, this is actually like curing cancer, like bigger picture here. So I'm very excited for the space of cell and gene therapy, especially with cancer. Like we've got some big things to look forward to in the next five to 10 years for sure. That's amazing. I mean, that's just amazing that we can do that. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yasmin, Dr. Maseni, thank you so much for being here today. This was really interesting. Now I feel like I want to go learn way more about the immune system. I'm sure that I butchered some really basic concepts, but I appreciate you taking the time for us, uh, time to teach us about what is actually happening in our bodies. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with your work and would like to learn more about the immune system and the kind of information that you provide, where can people find you? Um, well, I'm on Instagram at the moment, so it's just at doctor, but like full spelling D O C T O R dot Yaz Y A S underscore. There's at doctor dot Yaz underscore. So I put out content. I mean, I try and put out a few pieces every week on new topics to do with um, new science to get excited by, new topics on the immune system, and just general educating you on your own immune system. The more time I spend in this space learning from uh, people like yourself, it it amazes me how connected it really all is. You know, there's no there's nothing that happens in our bodies or in our minds that happens without affecting almost everything else that we do. And I think this conversation was such a great example of it because we talked about the importance of nutrition and sleep and balancing your exercise load. And those are concepts that are going to serve you well kind of no matter what you're trying to do. So um, just another example of how fascinating, but really complicated and intertwined our bodies are. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem for us because we're so specialized in our own field, but actually it would be good to have more exposure to like neuroendocrinology, for example, but we can't be experts at everything. So that's why we have collaborations. So work together, the other experts. Exactly. Thank you so much. This is a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me on. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.